Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Matthew 6, beginning in verses 19 through 24. Jesus said, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal let me make a quick clarification here. I know we don't worry about moths eating our $100 bills. But in, in those days, part of their treasure was in clothing. If you had a garment that was, that was expensive, that was a form of currency. And if a moth gets in and eats your robe that was your retirement plan... That's a problem, okay? And the coins were made out of real metal, so it was a, it was a possibility that if you get a little, uh, a little water in there, they could rust out and that coin would be of no value, okay? That's why people were, that's why Jesus had to say that because people were worried about those kinds of things. Uh, verse 20, he says, instead, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust can't destroy and thieves don't break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, don't get this backwards, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. And when your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if, you, if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. You will either hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and Money. I want to point out three words that are in that passage we just read. He said, I and heart and treasure. Okay, don't forget those three words. We'll come back to that in a second. Now, verses 31 through 33, Jesus is wrapping up this part of the conversation. He says, so don't worry about these things. What are we going to eat or drink or wear? These things dominate the thoughts of the unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows your needs. So seek first the kingdom of God above all else and, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Lord, would you add your anointing to the, the hearing and the understanding uh, of your word? Lord, the, the, the way I preach it or teach it, the way I communicate it, God, I pray that it be rooted and grounded in your love, that people would recognize the word of God when they hear it and be changed by it. Lord, may we not just hear the word, but do it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, last week we began a two-part series, so today is the conclusion of a series called I Heart Treasure. I heart treasure. And if you haven't heard the first uh, of the, the first message, I would encourage you to go to our YouTube channel or go to the podcast and listen because this one will make a lot more sense uh, with that one. You will be able to understand what we're talking about today, but I think you need to hear it all together. All right, so remember from last week, one thing that we need to point out, what does I and heart and treasure mean? Uh, your eye <clears throat> is where your attention is. Your heart is 
<clears throat> is what you desire. Your treasure is what you value. Your eye is where your attention is, is what, what catches your attention. Your heart is what you desire, and your treasure is what you value. Now, the premise of the series is really, really simple. Everyone treasures something. Everyone values, everyone pursues something. And whatever that something is affects our heart, our soul. And our, our soul is our, our mind, our will, and our emotions. So whatever we value affects our, uh, what we think and how we feel and the decisions we make. It affects our eyes. It affects what gets our attention. So Jesus is very concerned that what we treasure is in line with his word because what we treasure is an arrow that points to our master. And that's important because Jesus said you can't serve two masters. So if you're going to serve him, you can't serve another master. Now, as I kept reading this passage in preparation for the series, two questions really kept popping up in my brain. One, how do you store up treasure in heaven? Like, what does that even mean? Because he says that's what we have to do, but I don't understand what that means and how to do that. Maybe you're the same way. And then here's the question that truly haunted me. If Jesus says store up treasures in heaven, that's what I want to do. And I know you well enough to know that's what you want to do. But how can I store up heavenly treasures when all I have are these earthly resources? Right? Anybody got like heavenly resources laying around? All we got is this stuff of earth. How do we affect heaven with the stuff of earth? And that's, those are the questions I want to answer today. And I hope that I can answer it in a way that helps you see it from the perspective of Jesus. Because here's, the, here's a hint. It's not really about money. This message, this teaching of Jesus is not really about money. And I want to I show you that. I want us to take a step up and change our perspective today. So this message is called Storing Up Treasures. And, and I remember this whole deal is a paradigm shift. Really the whole ministry of Jesus is a paradigm shift. It's a change in the way we think. So let's dive in. First of all, you have to understand a couple of things before we can, we can circle back to Matthew 6. You have to understand a couple of things. This passage is part of a larger sermon that Jesus preached called the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it. It's from uh, Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7. You've heard the Beatitudes, the blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek for they'll inherit the earth. That's the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And it was... Um, it was an incredible message. People, secular people, still study that message because it was so. It was such a change in the mindset of the people of that day. The sermon on the mount really set the tone for the ministry of Jesus and for the message of the gospel. A lot of people will read that and they say, well, Jesus, thank God for the Sermon on the Mount, right? Because it makes life so much easier for us because Jesus came to fulfill all those Mosaic laws. And, and that means the, the animal sacrifices and the rituals of worship, all the things that were a part of Old Testament worship. But the more I look at the, the Sermon on the Mount, the more I look at the ministry of Jesus and hear his teaching, the less I think Jesus came to make anything easier for us. As a matter of fact, over and over again in Matthew chapter 5, you'll hear Jesus say this, you have heard it said, and then he'll talk about what the Old Testament standard was, and then he'll say, but I say, and then he'll give you another standard. And guess what? The standard's higher 
than the Old Testament standard was. Let me give you a few examples. Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 22. You have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder, right? That's the Ten Commandments. If you commit murder, you're subject to the judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, I am sure that doesn't include traffic. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, Lord help us, you're in danger of the fires of hell. And do you know that you can curse someone with ever, without ever uttering a cuss word? Amen. Okay. So I want to make sure us Christians get, get all on board here, all right? In the Old Testament, as long as you didn't pull the trigger, you were good, right? You, as long as they were living and breathing after you finished, you didn't kill them. But according to what Jesus said, you can open up your mouth. You can press send or share or post or whatever and be guilty of the same crime. You see what I mean? I don't think that's easier. As a matter of fact, it's a completely different way to approach the whole issue. It's not an external approach. Jesus isn't on the outside looking down on what we're doing. He's looking on the inside. It's not about the act. It's about the motivation on the inside. Let me show it to you in one other place. Matthew 5, 27 and 28. You've heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. Again, uh, Ten Commandments. But I say... Anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. There it is again. Under Old Testament law, it was about the consummation of the act. With Jesus, it's about the conception of the motive. And there are several more examples from the Sermon on the Mount. So if Jesus is already involved in your sex life and in your anger issues... It should come as no surprise that in that same message, he's going to get involved in money and the things that money can buy. Now, why is Jesus so concerned about all of these areas of our lives? Why is he so concerned about our internal motivation in those areas? Why doesn't he just focus on what we do? Because Jesus knows that if he can get your motives right, he can stop the behavior before it starts. In another place, Jesus said, it's not really what's on the outside that defiles a person anyway. It's what's on the inside. So in other words, by the time the action happens for everybody to see, the inside of that person has already been infected. They've already been, their, their system is septic. Okay? So let me put it this way. Jesus has set a new standard that focuses on what we treasure, what we value. So if we treasure self-gratification and pleasure, it's going to lead us to adultery and to the other sexual sins. If we treasure getting our own way by any means necessary, if we treasure satisfying our need to dominate people and make them do what we want them to do, then we're going to allow our anger to grow uncontrolled until we finally physically harm somebody. You see what I mean? So Jesus came to help us identify our treasure and get it in line with his word. Get it pointed in his direction before we shipwreck ourselves. 
So Jesus was and is very concerned about our motive. And you can't understand his command to store up treasures in heaven if you don't understand that. Here's the second thing that you need to know as background. Jesus was not only concerned about our motive, but he was also very concerned about changing our focus from this world to the next world. He changed, he talked about it a lot, changing our focus from here to there. A real quick example from the Sermon on the Mount that almost all of you have heard at one point or the other. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Jesus said, pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy or hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Right? The Lord's Prayer. After that is when he gets to give us this day our daily bread. In other words, take care of our needs, our earthly needs. What is that about? Jesus is reminding us that the Father is in heaven, our Father who art in heaven. He's reminding us that he has a different perspective of what's going on down here. He's saying, listen, God has a will God has a plan. God has a purpose. God has a kingdom, and he is the king. And so our prayers should not just be about getting our earthly concerns up to heaven, but they should also be concerned about getting the concerns of heaven down to earth. You understand the difference? He's helping expand the conversation. It's not that we always get to come to Jesus with our laundry list of things we need him to do for us. It's a, it's a dialogue. It's a two-way conversation. It's a relationship. So he's helping to expand the mindset because he wanted us to see that when Jesus came to earth from heaven, that he built a bridge. And he's the bridge between those two worlds, between heaven and earth, and that when we follow him, we have to constantly be aware of this tension that exists between heaven and earth. That we have this earthly reality that we all live in, but there's also a spiritual reality that according to Jesus is far more important. The apostle Paul put it this way. He said, I think of it in terms of dual citizenship. I'm a citizen of earth, but I'm also a citizen of heaven. So I want you to look at this. Colossians chapter 3. This whole chapter of Colossians 3 really, really sheds a lot of light on Matthew chapter 6. It helps you to understand both. So uh, I want to read this to you. So since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights, your eye, on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven and not the things of earth. Think about those things. It should consume your mind. It's what gets your attention and what you desire. Why should you think about the things of heaven? Because you died to this life. And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, this, this world is not our lives. He's our life. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will get to share in all of his glory. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. And then he begins to describe those things that lurk within us. 
Now, did you see what he called it though? They're, they're earthly. They're of this earth. They're sinful. They distract us from the purposes and the will of God. And, and the old English teacher in me gets real curious about the use of the word lurk. That's a, that's a really visual word, right? That's a good word. Lurk. Why would he use that word? Because those things that are, that are inside of us, those things that we are treasuring and hiding inside of us will operate under the surface until one day they're suddenly going to appear so everybody can see it. And, and it seems like it came out of nowhere, but the reality is the motive, the, the treasure, the hidden treasure of our hearts have been lurking in there for years. We don't come to church and when somebody says, how you doing, brother? You say, well, I've got sinful earthly things lurking inside of me. <laughs> but probably should if we're being honest. And this is the place to get something done about it. Right? So, so what, what do we do? What happens? What should you do if you realize I've got, I've got some focus? I'm treasuring some things on the inside that... If I were to expose it this morning, I'd be embarrassed by it. What do you do? Well, he already told us. He said, set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. He said, quit thinking about this earth all the time because you're dead. Quit thinking about it and start thinking about the things in heaven. Our heart, our eyes, our treasure should be in heaven and not on earth. Why? Because when we surrendered our life to Christ, we died. Amen. We're dead. Look at verse 7 in this same chapter. You used to do these things, all these things that are lurking, that you treasure inside of you, that express themselves in ways that are sinful. He said, you used to do all that stuff. when That was a part of your life when you were still a part of the world. When you're still a part of this world. So our life exists in this world. We have to walk around and operate here, but we don't value this stuff anymore. Our treasure has to be in heaven. Now let's look at verse 17. All part of the same conversation. So Paul says, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. You realize that it's not just what you say and do on Sunday that determines whether or not you're a believer or that indicates whether or not you're a believer. It's a Monday through Sunday proposition. It's a 24-7, 365 and a half days, right? That's, that's the deal. It's, a, it's, it's all the time. Everything we say and do should reflect the, the, the fact that we're representing Jesus on this earth. So it's an inward focus, but there's an outward connection so that everybody sees it. He says we're representatives of Christ. We're ambassadors. What does that mean? What's an ambassador? An ambassador is a citizen of one country that represents the interest of the king of that nation, but they have to live and operate inside of another place. Right? Y'all okay? All right. Let, let, let me look at, let me show you this Philippians chapter 3. Philippians 3, verse 18. I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. 
Can I tell you something real quick? These are not the hell's angels that he's talking about. Okay? These are not the people that you look at them and you don't even think they have anything to do with Jesus. These are people that you assume are friends of Jesus. They may claim they are friends of Jesus, but they said whose conduct demonstrate that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God, their master, is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life on earth. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. You're like, oh, I don't don't think I ever think about him returning as our Savior. That's because we get too focused on the things of earth and not enough on the things of heaven. If you never think about what happens when you draw your last breath on this earth, then you may be in for a shock when it happens. You have to think about the things of eternity. The things of heaven should inform the things of earth. There are people whose master or God is their own lust and their desire. It's what they value. It's what they treasure. And it's all focused on earth. But Paul says if we love Jesus, we have to realize we are citizens of heaven and we have to base our thoughts and our feelings and our decisions on that fact. We have to treasure our citizenship in heaven more than we treasure anything else on earth. Why? Because you can't serve the interests of two countries any more than you can serve the interests of two masters. You have to choose And Jesus said, we have to treasure the things of heaven more than we treasure the things of earth. And I want to show you one more thing before we circle back to Matthew 6 and we land this plane. Philippians, and it's a a passage that you've heard, but you didn't realize it was part of a larger conversation. I I want you to see it because some of you are thinking, what's going to motivate me to think about the things of heaven. Why would I want to think about the things of heaven? Why would I have emotions about that? Why would I have thoughts about it? Why would I base decisions on that? Well, Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, you've probably heard this at least six times in your life as a New Year's message. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, Or King James says, forgetting those things that are behind, looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race. You're like, that is so morbid. You're always talking about dying. Hang on. And receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. This should help us understand that there's a prize. There is a reward system in heaven. Heaven is a prize, but it's not the prize. There are other prizes. There are other rewards waiting for us in heaven. And Paul says they're so incredible, they're so important, that he was willing to forget everything that had ever happened to him, good or bad, leave it all behind in order to capture that one thing. 
And that was the heavenly treasure. God is keeping record of what we do on this earth. And He will reward us, for good or for bad, according to, according to what we do. He'll reward us in heaven. So let's go back to Matthew 6. And this discussion about storing up treasure. Remember, Jesus said, don't store up treasure on earth. Store up treasure in heaven. So remember our questions. What in the world does that even mean? What does storing up treasure mean? And how can we do it? How can we store up heavenly treasure when all we have are these earthly resources? Storing up treasure is this. If you're note takers, if you're trapper keeper girls, this is, get your pen out. Here we go. Storing up treasure in heaven is when you do an earthly act with a heavenly motive. When you do an earthly act, you use an earthly resource but you do it with a heavenly motive. Let me give you some examples. You give American dollars, which is, by the way, not the currency of heaven. You give American dollars in an offering that you earned from an earthly job, but you do it because you love God and you want to advance His kingdom. Amen. See? It's an earthly act with a heavenly motive. Or you give two hours of your time on the earth at a small group or maybe even one-on-one -on -one with, with someone who's struggling and you give it with a willing heart and with a good attitude knowing that it's an investment in somebody's discipleship. It's an earthly act, but it has heavenly consequences. You give, according to Jesus, even just a cup of cold water. And what did Jesus say? He said, if you give it because you just want to refresh the servant of God... You won't lose your reward for that. So it's not the size of the act. It's the motivation behind it. And I could keep going, but you, you get the idea. We use what we have at our disposal, small or great, our earthly resources, and, and we, do them, we do that to have a heavenly result. Why? Because we're dead to this life. We are citizens of heaven. So we use, or when, when you use earthly resources to get an earthly result, that's what the world does. That's storing up treasures on earth. But we're children of the Most High God. We are different. We use our earthly resources to affect eternity. That's what storing up treasures in heaven means. And it starts with our motives starts with our motives. It's rooted in the why, not in the what. That's why I can tell you it's not about money. It's so much bigger than that. So much bigger than that. It's about everything you do as a follower of Jesus. It's not about the money. It's about who is your master. Okay? Let's look at Matthew chapter 6. In verses one and one through four, as Jesus is beginning this conversation, he said, "Watch out! Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do it as the hypocrites do." Blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. We'd call it a press conference. We'd call it a social media blast to tell people how generous we are and how humble. Like we're pretty much the most humble people we know. 
right? Isn't that what we do? I'm so humble, let me tell you about it. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Give your gifts in private and your Father who sees everything will reward you. Please notice these hypocrites, they gave. They still gave to people in need, but they gave with the wrong motive. They got, according to Jesus, zero return spiritually on their investment. They didn't store up any treasure in heaven. You're like, well, John, how generous was the gift? It doesn't matter. I'm guessing it was really generous. Jesus said, nothing. You got nothing. Everything you got is here and now on this earth. Say, John, so what are you saying? I'm saying you could give a million dollars to the church this morning, and I'm okay with that. (laughs) And it will help the church accomplish whatever it is that we're trying to accomplish, and there's lots of things. But if you are doing it because of how it makes you feel, or because you want the attention that it might bring, or you think it's going to get you some sort of favor... You get no spiritual reward. Your spiritual account is still empty. Why? Because the motive was wrong. You're doing an earthly act for an earthly reward that came from an earthly motive. Look at Philippians chapter 1, because this is not just about money. Look at this, Philippians 1, verses 17 and 18. Paul said, those others don't have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful to me. But Paul said, that doesn't matter whether their motives are false or genuine. The message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice, and um, I'll continue to rejoice. This is, this is different, but it's still an earthly act with an earthly motive, right? And guess what? Paul said, I'm okay with it. I don't care. The gospel's being preached. But there, are, there is no spiritual gain or reward for those preachers because their motives are wrong. Aren't you glad that we're in the 21st century now and all preachers preach the gospel with the right motives. Sarcasm intended. Again, it's not the act, it's the motive. And you could say the same thing about everything you do. You can say it about prayer. You can say it about fasting. And Jesus addressed that in Matthew chapter 6. You could say it about reading the Word. About Have you ever seen somebody who is so proud about the fact that they read the Bible every day? Have you ever seen somebody that's proud of their fasting resume? Something's not lining up. You could say it about serving. You could say it about volunteering. You could say it about attending church. You could say it about attending a small group meeting. You can say it about helping the poor, about giving tithes and offerings. It's not about the act. It's about the motive. Two people can do the exact same thing at the exact same time in the apparent exact same way. One would be storing up treasure in heaven. The other would get nothing but an earthly reward. What's the difference? The motive. 
points to the master. So here's a very important question. Why do you do what you do? And it's not just what you do at church, it's everything you do. What's your why? Who's the master that you're serving? Because Jesus said you can't serve too. So if what you're doing or saying or giving or whatever it is, if what you're doing is not serving him, what master is it serving? Which country, which citizenship are you being loyal to? What's your motive? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 14. In case you're wondering, John, what motive am I supposed to use? Paul cleared it up for us. Do everything with love. There's your motive. We can talk for hours about all the, the ways that love is the most important thing in the ministry and the life of Christ, and therefore in the ministry and the life of Christians. Love should be our motive. Love for God. Love for other people. Love for the ministry. Love for the things of heaven. For the things of eternity. For the things that will last. When you turn your eyes and your heart and your treasure upon Jesus, what happens? The things of earth grow strangely dim by comparison. They're just not that important anymore. When you get a glimpse of heaven, nothing on earth is, is as important as it used to be. When you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, everything else you taste is a little more bland than it used to be. Love changes everything. Love changes everything. Let's talk about giving for a minute. Why do we give? You say, well, I give because I think every believer should give. That's obligation. You're giving because you think you're required to. You, you're giving because you feel obligated to. You're giving because your mama told you you should give and you're going to disrespect her memory if you don't give. That's obligation. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians, we should never give out of obligation. What's the motive of a citizen of heaven? We give because we love. We give because we're grateful to God for saving us. We give because we treasure the work of the kingdom. You say, well, so John, as long as I give my tithe and, and I am, uh, have a good attitude about it and I have a good motive, then I'm okay. That's not really up to me. I've never seen in the Word of God that gives you a set maximum for giving. When you give out of love... I don't know where there's ever a discussion about how much is enough. Like, it's always about how can I give more to the one that I love. Love demands everything. So the question isn't how much is enough. The question is always, what else can I do to show my love, to show the value that I place on the things of heaven? It comes down to, what do you value the most, the things of earth or the things of heaven? 
Now listen, I'm not unreasonable. I understand I understand that we have to have places to live. We have to have clothes to wear. We have to have things, something to drive. We have to have a job. I get all that. We still have to occupy here on the earth while we wait for the things of heaven. But listen, here's where the rubber meets the road. If you, if you ever do have an extra 10 bucks or 100 bucks or 1,000 bucks, does it ever cross your mind to invest that in the things of heaven or is it always about doing something else, something else that you want down here on earth? Remember, your eye and your heart and your treasure are the arrow that points to your master. One more scripture, we're going to close. Colossians chapter 3. I told you it was a great chapter. Colossians 3. Paul wound it up by saying this, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. He's saying don't even, the job you do is not even about the paycheck. It's about honoring the Lord in what you do and how you do it. Isn't that what they just said? You serve as if you're serving the Lord. Remember, the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward. And the master you're serving is Christ. There is a reward system. There's rewards on the earth, but there are rewards in heaven. And it'd be a shame to have stored up everything that we need here on this earth, but when we stand before God, realize that we never stored anything in heaven because we did everything with the wrong motive. When you invest in heaven, Jesus said, you won't lose it. God takes care of it. God protects it. You'll never lose your reward. And God's interest rates, the return on your investment, can I say this, are out of this world. Y'all stand with me. We're going to close this service as we, as we usually do. We're going to have just uh, one more song. We're going to have a little bit of time around the altar. Now, when you come to the altar, you stay as long as you want to. But we're going to sing a song together. We'll be dismissed in just a minute. But before you go running for the exits, before you try to... Well, y'all ain't going to be nobody to Cracker Barrel, so forget about that. Baptist and Methodists are already eating. They've ate six biscuits by now. So quit worrying about it. Take some time during this song to listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying to you. I don't believe we all gathered here today just because we think we're cute. I know y'all well enough to know you came to hear the word of the Lord. To the best of my ability, that's what I just gave you. So now it's incumbent upon you and me to listen as the Holy Spirit applies the truth of God's word into each of our individual hearts. Now, after you deal with that, if there's any other need that you have in your life, we'd love to pray with you about any of that, whether it's a relationship issue, a work-related issue, a decision that you're facing, a financial need, whatever it is, we want you to come and we want to pray with you. Let's bow our heads. Father. 
We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.